Welcome, welcome. You're now joining Session Conversation, The Vegas Scoop, Episode 9, where we'll be covering all of the upcoming games for Week 13. Once again, sponsored by Rondell Powerboats Experience in Las Vegas, Nevada. I am OG Flower, joined once again by The Lip Service and AJ Scoop. Thanks for joining us, folks. It is um, no games tonight, but we do have a game tonight. We will get that going. We're going to get our win tonight, Scoop. Your basketball? You guys <laughs> need one. I've come out the last two games. It's been terrible. Let's get that going. Yeah. How was y'all week, fellas? How, how, how'd y'all do? Let's give a quick recap. Uh, four and one for me. Browns, Bills came through. Browns is the best bet. Carolina was the uh, loser. So, you know, maybe a little 15 and a run here and get back into the, to the run of it. Who'd you have, uh, OG? I believe I was rocking with the Giants, and at the time, they were uh, minus six. Plus six. Yeah. You six. needed the oh, yeah, plus sorry, six. Plus they lost six. by three. That was a good bet. That was... Um, they covered. Yeah, they lost by three. That was Philly. Yeah, that was Philly that was getting uh, laying six. That was a good bet. I went... Uh, my best bet of the week was Carolina. Um, they lost that game, which was not very good. I did have the Giants with you as well. That was a winner. I had the Raiders that appeared on my card late. I had two or three other teams that I was debating. The Raiders did pull it out. My other two or three teams would have won as well. So I was happy that that did come through. And I had Denver uh, to clean up the week at uh, plus three, thanks to Ben on a late interception. So I went 4-1 and one, uh, on the week with you, Scoop, which I was pleased about. I was tied for 85th coming into the week. Um, jolted up. Um, to tied for 30th, which I'm pleased with. The leader has 44 and a half points on the season. He has a two-game lead for first uh, with 44 and a half points. And uh, I have 39, so I'm five and a half behind him. I'm three and a half behind second place and looking to continue a winning streak moving forward. I like it. All right, let's uh, jump into the first game. This is uh, Thursday Night Football. We got New Orleans Saints at Dallas Cowboys. Uh, currently, the line is showing uh, Cowboys are getting seven and a half in this game. Uh, 53 is the over uh, under right now. Um, how we feeling about this? We got Dallas. They are four and one at home, um, but New Orleans is five and zero oh on the road. They're ten and one overall. One of the best teams in the league. Dallas is six and five overall. Uh, New Orleans coming in with a ten game win streak, and Dallas got a little streak of their own going with uh, with three wins. Saints number one run defense heading into week 13. And uh, Zeke has had a good game last week. He's a little banged up in practice, but he's looking like he's going to play. How are we feeling about this one? Yeah, now you hit it with uh, this New Orleans run defense. It's been one of the most important variables to this season. Demario Davis, guy that came over from the Jets in free agency in the offseason. Um, he's been spectacular at linebacker for the Saints and a big reason why they've made a nice little adjustment here since the first two weeks when they got thrashed for about 90 points. So, you know, kudos to them and um, their defense coordinator, to you know, make some adjustments. You're bringing Eli Apple. He's starting to get acclimated. So you got this Ohio State secondary, and this is a game where we're going to find out, you know, can Amari Cooper get separation on Marshawn Lattimore? If he can't, um, it could be a long day for this Dallas team because you know, without the center Travis Frederick, you, they've struggled to run the ball against good run defenses. And you know, despite having Zeke and a couple other good offensive linemen, if Dallas can't run the ball here, and you know, New Orleans is able to make them one-dimensional. You know, this is a spot where Dak Prescott could be exposed a little bit against Washington on the two plays, the Cooper for the touchdowns that kind of changed their, uh, you know, outlook of their season. It was a little fluky. On the one play, the defender just falls down. Cooper takes it 50 to the house. And then on, you know, the 90-yarder, just, you know, 
kind of beats them a little bit, but um, I don't expect New Orleans to be giving you know, Dallas anything easy offensively in this game. Uh, New Orleans has quietly turned into a, a kind of an under team. Four of the last six have gone under offensively. They're you know run the ball a little bit more. They're you know not not necessarily running up scores. You know unless the you know a team like Cincinnati is just kind of forcing them to run it up with mistakes. But um, you know one thing that could potentially happen here is New Orleans coming off of the you know Thanksgiving win against Atlanta, a, a team that you know has been in control of that division here for the last couple of years. Maybe they exhale. Maybe they have a, a flat spot. We haven't seen it yet from New Orleans. Everyone keeps waiting for it. Um, potentially could be it uh, Thursday to Thursday. Um, New Orleans is, you know, obviously on, on, a, on a run that we rarely see in the NFL. Nine straight covers, uh, won ten in a row. This is a team that, to me, doesn't look like they have much quit, so I'm not expecting necessarily a flat spot. This is a bad um, matchup for Dallas on paper. I think this is a teaser game with New Orleans as far as the spread's concerned. You know, I think this is going to be a classic backdoor situation where New Orleans is up somewhere between 8 and 13 with three minutes to go, and does Dallas backdoor it or not? Um, you know, that's anybody's guess. But, you know, as far as gambling purposes, um, New Orleans and teasers. But, uh, you know, this this game will not be on my card. <clears throat> yeah, it's a Thursday night game. So I agree with you in the fact that it's not going to be on my card either. I need to look into injuries as I discuss, discuss every single week on the podcast with you guys. But you did mention the fact that this is going to be a teaser game. This is 100% a teaser game. You tease New Orleans down in this football game, and you use them with some Sunday games. Now, uh, Dallas, and you, you, one thing I didn't like that you said is if they get down, they have a chance of coming back and backdoor covering. Dallas is not a backdoor covering type of team, so I don't see that happening at all. There's been no team in the contest that I've done better on this year than with than New Orleans. I look at this game specifically on the offense. Yes, Dallas has won three games in a row. You know, they did beat the Eagles in a game that uh, I thought the Eagles would take care of them there. They, they went uh, into Atlanta and beat a team that has question marks on the defensive side, you know, and they, they beat Washington on Thanksgiving Day to win three in a row. Well, they're not going to win four in a row because New Orleans is going to win this game, and I don't think this game is going to be as close as the spread says at seven and a half. Now, that being said, there's no way that I'm going to be betting New Orleans on that number because my guru... William Lippard, my brother Billy, says he likes Dallas in this game. So that'll skew me away from anything to do with the spread. But that being said, New Orleans is the better team in this football game, probably on uh, the defense as well, um, with Sean Lee probably going to miss another game here. In New Orleans, you look at pro football these days, there's nobody more trustworthy on a possession-by-possession, play-by-play, quarter-by-quarter, half-by-half team than New Orleans. They're proven as you mentioned they've I think you said they've rattled off eight or nine covers in a row which is in the NFL is absolutely ridiculous but that being said I think they have a chip on their shoulder to try and get even better you did mention a few podcasts ago uh, scoop that this team's having fun very important uh, at this time of the season to be having fun because the NFL is not fun at times I mean you're going through you know a, a gauntlet of a schedule your body is turned around broken in half and you have to continue doing what you're doing. And I think New Orleans will continue to do that. I think they'll come out here, and I see them winning by double digits in this game. All right, uh, moving on. We have um, Chicago Bears versus New York Giants. So it's Chicago at New York. New York is 1-4 at home. Chicago's 3-2 on the road. 
Eight and three overall for Chicago, opposite for New York, three and eight. Chicago's coming off five wins, and um, they're looking to snag their first NFC title since 2010. It's their third consecutive division win in just 12 days. That's big for the Bears. They haven't been able to do that in previous years uh, with Jay Cutler facing the likes of Aaron Rodgers and whatnot. And the uh, Giants coming off a little post-game controversy of um, with a little bit of uh, kind of skepticism about the play calling play and, calling. and whatnot. But Barkley had a day, 131 total yards, 94 rushing and two touchdowns, and that's in the first half. I think you were saying earlier, Lip, that they they went away from him. Yeah, he only touched the ball four or five times in the in the game last last week, and I don't understand that. I think they had uh, Gallman involved with as many touches as uh, Saquon Barkley somewhere along those lines in the second half. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. There's no line out for this game. Oh, uh, there is uh, there is no line out, but I think the line's going to be around four and a half on this game. Um, five, I imagine, with Chicago being favored on the road. And that being said, we don't. There's a lot of question marks uh, in regards to the, who's going to be underneath center for Chicago. Um, they've proved on Thanksgiving Day that they have an outstanding backup in uh, Chase Daniels. This has been a, a quarterback that really probably should have been given a, a better opportunity to start in this league. He's undersized, reminds me somewhat of Drew Brees. Doesn't have all the intangibles of him, um, but he does have um, you know the mechanics and um, the ability to run a professional football offense. And he did that on Thanksgiving Day. They were up, they were down. He was never rattled in the game. Um, I believe he was turnover free, which helps. And they went in there and beat Detroit in, uh, you know, on a short week in a tough situation with their quarterback being out with Trubisky. I'm not sure if Trubisky's going to play in this game. I do think it would be better for the Bears if Trubisky does play in this game um, because of his legs. And, uh, you know, the line to me is inflated. Uh, I, I understand Chicago is playing good football. They're winning games. They're doing what they need to do to get ahead of this division. And the Giants have a, a very good offense that can always come back and back to over, uh, cover in a game like this. That being said, I lean New York and probably will be using them on my card if everything falls for what I need to be doing this game. They're, listen, the Giants' season is over. Everybody knows that in the division. I, they, you know, The loss to Philadelphia would probably put a lot of teams into tank mode where they're going to quit. And they're going to show those types of things, but it's getting later into the season. We're moving into uh, December. Eli Manning knows how to run a professional football uh, offense. He's been doing it for a decade, and he won't come in here and, and, and be moping around. I expect the Giants to be coming in here, to be moving the ball, to be very uh, competitive in this game. I could see them winning this game um, outright, and I'm looking at the Giants being on my card. Yes, this was a game with the look-ahead number four and a half we both played, and I initially thought that there was value in the underdog here with the Giants, and after digging a little deeper, I've, I've started to come back to the other side. Um, Chicago is a team that's 5-0 and against the spread in their last five, so you know, not a typical you know, situation that I like to back. I mean, to me, this game, you, I mean, you play the Giants or nothing, but you know, there's been a couple of variables that are, that are coming out here that you know, are, are bad news for the Giants, first being the weather. Um, you know, about 40% chance of rain. This game's going to be in the 50s. You know, this is the point in the season where weather starts to, you know, dictate strategy and, and game plans, and you start to see, um, you know, what teams are built for the for the winter months. And, you know, not only is Chicago built for the winter months, you know, just pure infrastructure, this Chicago GM's done a better job than, you know, almost anyone in the entire NFL. This is why, you know, you can throw a guy like Chase Daniels in there, and there's just not much of a difference. But like you said, if this is a game, you know, 10 to 12 mile an hour wins with a little bit of rain, that's the type of game where, you know, you saw it last week with uh, Josh Allen where 
you know, these young guys that are very athletic, like Trubisky and Allen, um, you know, one little 30-yard scamper can be the difference in, you know, field position and, and, and flipping an entire game. So this is a game where I think um, the Bears will be better off with Trubisky. But, you know, if the Giants are forced to, you know, throw the ball and, and inclement weather a little bit um, with a you know receiver that's unhappy coming off a game where you know the game plan was was atrocious because if you throw the in ball, the second half it yeah. was atrocious yeah first half it was great yeah no you throw the you you give Odell fifteen targets last week there's a zero percent chance you lose um, you know those Philly defensive backs had no prayer and you know not Pat, against that Giants Pat, offense I agree with you Scoop. Pat, Pat Shermer's starting to um, prove to us all that. He did not learn much from his first tenure in Cleveland as a head coach, and this guy might just be a great offensive coordinator that you know can't make the quite the, the right decisions as a head coach. But um, the Chicago team, you know, their run defense is as good as you know they're they're right there with the Saints. It's one and two, and when we get into these cold months, when you can stop the run and you have elite, you know, Kyle Fuller and Prince Hakamura, these two corners, you know, you didn't let them walk in free agency. You paid them. You got Eddie Jackson stealing the draft out of Alabama at safety. This guy's got five touchdowns, I think, here since he's been drafted. Tops in the league. And, you know, when you've got all these playmakers on defense, Akeem Hicks, I mean, just over and over, there's there's six or six. There, there's a couple of them just, you know, no-name guys that are, that are solid players that would be starters on other teams. They're deep. And when you, you, put, trust, you trust him on the road, though, in this game, though, everybody. I, you know, to me, you can't lay the points here with the Bears. Like, it's just, it's just not the, the recipe for, for making money in this business. But, you know, this, for these reasons that I'm outlining, the Giants are no longer as strong of a play as I initially thought on the value Oh, of I agree with that. Because if you're forcing this Giant team to run the ball, you know, with that offensive line against this Bears front— um, and then all of a sudden, if you have no running game and now you're forcing, you know, Eli Manning to go out there and win you a football game, um, you know, thrown against a pass defense that's that's far from easy. You know, I, I've seen Eli play in some inclement weather. You know, his his arm, you know, just, it's, he's got a noodle arm now. I mean, his arm strength was never the greatest to begin with. And as he's aged, you know, we see it, we're seeing it with Brady too. Um, you know, the the only guy that really right now seems immune to the, to the age is, is Breeze. And, you know, majority of his games are – being played comfortably indoors behind an elite offensive line and some of the best weapons in the league. So you got to look at the infrastructure around these quarterbacks, and it really matters. But I think this game could be potentially um, very low scoring and you know, 13-10, 16-10 type of game. But to me, the question you really have to ask is, after blowing that big lead that the Giants had last week, you know, they're, they were talking about winning eight in a row, and they had a decent chance to rattle off and get back into the playoff hunt but when you blow a lead like they did last week and now you got guys calling out the coaches for play calling and stuff like that, is the locker room broken? Do they come out no-show? And, and this, this giant front, um, they really struggle to stop the run. So this could be a potential Jordan Howard game where we see 20, 22 carries, let the defense just lean on noodle arm Eli, and uh, Bears just keep going on. They say that the uh, Bears are happy that Eddie Jackson broke his leg because it moved him down in the draft and uh, they were able to get him. Um, but I don't know. I'm curious to think if this running back, um, Saquon Barkley, would be, if not the best running back the Bears have faced yet this season. Oh, he's an outstanding player. I disagree with you, Scoop, a little bit on the fact that um, 
the Giants, pro, you know, are are talking about the coach and the decision making. I think that's good to come out and vocally say that because you mentioned at the beginning of the, uh, this this podcast here about Philadelphia. You throw the ball against that team; they don't have anybody to stop you. In the Eagles are are practicing offensive players in the in the secondary during practice just because they don't have enough players. So anyone with a brain would probably come out and say. You know, you come out and just put the hammer down on this team in the second half, and I don't know why they didn't do it. But I am—I do think that Beckham specifically came out and said it, and I, I am on board with him in this situation. If I'm Odell, I say the exact same thing. Yes. He's a hundred percent correct. Yes. But here's the question: Do they still believe? Like, is there still like play? I think there's enough talent on that team for them to, to, to absolutely. I mean, Chicago. Listen to me. Chicago has played very well this season. They've played a couple of decent games on the road. They've been much better at home. Now you want them to go out and lay more than a field goal in a game like this and a game that I could see them potentially, if something goes wrong, that they could lose this game by double digits. They're not, a, they're, to me, they're, they're still Chicago. I don't have them at the, at the top of my list with the best teams in the NFL. That's just my opinion. In, in, in the cherry on top for potentially, you know, Chicago, and this is where we're going to find out, you know, is this team just too young and naive to, to look ahead? But next week they got the Rams coming to town to Chicago. Yeah, a lot of people are talking so, about that. So this could potentially be a situation where, um, you know, Chicago's looking ahead a little bit, feeling good after the Thanksgiving win. It could start a little slow, but, um, you know, if they defensively are focused from the beginning, it's hard for me to envision the Giants having much success on offense. All right, cool. Moving on, we have uh, Baltimore at Atlanta. Baltimore Ravens at Atlanta Falcons. I uh, believe it was around like Baltimore was giving up three. I think uh, Baltimore's favored by about two on the road. It's showing yeah. one right now here. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, I mean, it's a QB battle, it looks like, in uh, Baltimore. I don't know if Flacco's coming back. Um, Lamar Jackson's undefeated as a starter. Baltimore is 2-3 and three on the road, 6-5 and five overall, coming in off, uh, two, off of two wins. Atlanta's on three losses um, coming into this game, three and three at home, four and seven overall. Uh, the Falcons eliminated from NFC South with the loss to the Saints last week. Uh, how are we feeling about this one, Scoop? Yeah, so Atlanta's a lot like Cincinnati. This is a team that you know going into the season early in the year, people thought was a playoff contender. Um, I, I was not in that boat. Um, injuries have ravaged this team, and defensively, they're. Just very easy to, to to move the ball on. They 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 can't get off the field on third down. They don't play any red zone defense. Deion Jones could potentially come back in this game, but you know, too little, too late. Um, at the end of the day, this team, you know, it's you know, belief is everything. You know, in sports and life, and and a lot of these teams are just giving up. And this is the point in the season where you got to identify what teams are giving up and not going to play hard and what team are, teams are going to come out and just say, all right, well, screw it. Our season's done. We might as well go have some fun. Well, Atlanta's not one of those teams. You know, like I've touched on three or four times now, this team had the Super Bowl champions the past two seasons on the ropes in the playoffs and blew it. Opportunities are precious. They were top five in injury luck in 2016 and 17, and now here, you know, the injury luck has – is variance has hit them in the head and it, and it hit them in the worst way early in the season in the opener they lost you know the two safeties the linebacker you know I mean both offensive guards are out so to me this is two teams going in complete opposite directions Atlanta is a complete fade team despite already being two and seven against the spread of their seven losses in the last nine weeks I think I've been fading them on six of the seven and, and this is a team that I will not stop fading this Baltimore team um, they're going in the right direction. You know, I think Lamar Jackson could potentially, you know, light a little fire under under Flacco if he does come back in this game. And if Flacco is not ready, not the end of the world to me because I really like what I saw last week from Lamar here. 
really started to get a little bit more comfortable in the pocket. His feet slowed down. He made a couple nice throws, hit the tight end down the sideline for 75, hit Crabtree on a nice little in route for a touchdown. Um, and then the speed you just can't teach. I mean, this guy, he hits the edge, and he's gone for 40. Um, you know, I, honestly, from this, for, for ceiling purposes for this Baltimore team, um, it, it's tough. I don't. If I'm the head coach of that team, I don't really know what I'd do with Flacco or Lamar here. But you know, we've seen Flacco in the playoffs be what he is. This guy's a prime time performer. He's outplayed Brady over and over and over. And you know, Flacco is the type of guy that has earned the right to 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 finish this thing out. So I do expect Flacco to come back and play in this game, and I expect him to play well. Um, this this Baltimore team, they're elite against wide receivers, and they struggle against tight ends. So Atlanta, what do they have? They're a leader receiver, and the tight end's a little, little questionable. So, um, you know, it's a bad matchup for Atlanta offensively. This is a team that is back to struggling in the red zone, not scoring very many points. And this Baltimore team, you know, fighting, you know, trying to get back into the lead for the AFC North, fighting for that AFC wild card with the Chargers and the Colts. And, uh, you know, I, I, the Baltimore money line to me feels very comfortable. Um, you know, wouldn't be shocked if Baltimore was up eight to ten and you know Atlanta cut it to two late or something three but um you know this is a game that I'm not even going to really mess around with the spread uh as far as you know wagering the game I'll be on Baltimore money line but as far as the card's concerned um I'll probably still I'll probably still be on Baltimore as far as the card okay well when you talk about money line you might as well wait because this line is coming down and it may come down to around pick them and we don't know. I'm speculating right now if Flacco is going to be healthy or not. I think he'll be healthy enough to play. That being said, I expect Lamar Jackson to be underneath center. I think that they drafted this guy for a reason. They want to put him into a situation where they see if he can play. These are meaningful, very meaningful games for Baltimore this time of the season. And I expect regardless of, of Flacco's um, ability to play in this game because of injury, Lamar Jackson will be underneath center. Now, that being said, Lamar Jackson... Okay, you mentioned that he he made some plays in that game. There's nobody underneath center that's making more boneheaded decisions than this guy. Okay, they've won two games in a row. They beat Cincinnati with an absolutely depleted defense. And, I mean, murdered on no A.J. Green in this kind of stuff. They come back and win that game 24-21. They have Oakland at home last week. It's a very competitive game at home. I expect the Raiders to be blown off the planet. But they have Lamar Jackson underneath center who... At times, you don't even know if he knows the play, and he's calling the place. This guy is absolutely going to be in the league for a very short period of time if he's going to try and play quarterback. He's not a quarterback in this league. Now, you mentioned the fact that Atlanta is one of those teams now that's finished in the NFC South, and I agree with you. They are finished in the NFC South. But they also have the best player on the field in Julio Jones in a contract year, and I don't expect him to be sitting on the sidelines just twiddling his thumbs. I think he's going to have a big game in this game. I like. I don't know if this game is going to make my car, but I definitely lead Atlanta in this game because I think Baltimore, with Atlanta's secondary, which is absolutely top three worst in the league, could be exposed in this game with Flacco underneath center. I don't think they'll be as exposed in this game with Lamar Jackson underneath center. And another thing with Lamar Jackson, you mentioned his speed. He's all over the place, and he's one of these types of players. Well, guess who's ready to come back onto the field? The best defensive player for either team, potentially, in Deion Jones. This is a guy that could make plays left and right, turnovers at home, and be a force. There's no way I would ever bet Baltimore in this game. I'll dig in injuries later, see who's starting at quarterback, 
and see if I'll have Atlanta as a play. So the reason that this line's moving back down is that people are, you know, still having faith in their power ratings because, you know, for Baltimore to open minus three the way that they are, I mean, that that's saying that Baltimore would be a nine-point favorite at home. And, and with the quarterback situation, you know, Lamar only in his third career start, I get it. I, I understand why this line's coming down to a pick em. You know, I'm not shocked by it. You know, I just think that people are underestimating um, the power of belief, and, and I think this Falcons team is – they're done. I mean, that, that Thursday night performance, um, just a joke. And, you know, even if Dion comes back, he'll probably play 50% of the snaps. A joke versus the best team in football. Just an absolute Have joke. Have you seen what New Orleans has been doing to teams? Did you see the Philadelphia game, what they did to them the week before? Yeah, I can keep going. Joke performance. So, from okay, that's fine. Okay, but Baltimore is not a, an offensive juggernaut coming in here. All right. They're not. But, no, they're but, not. And but, you want them laying, you but, know, but laying what, points. But what Baltimore is with Lamar Jackson under center, and even if Lamar's not under center, is they're they're a great rushing team. And Atlanta is bottom three against the runs. They're bottom in three in everything scoop defensively. I mean, we know how bad they are. So you can beat them in a multitude of ways. Okay. Um I think Baltimore Who has the better offense of these two teams? I think Baltimore Whose offense is better? For the for the considering who they're going up against, I think Baltimore's offense will have more. I think success. Atlanta's offense at home is better than Baltimore's. Okay, that's that's my opinion. And and another thing, as long as we're on this game, and I brought this up to you the last couple of weeks, month, I was big on Baltimore early. I don't think their their defense is as dominant as everybody thinks they are. They were good early in the season. They've been torched in a lot of games here. This is not a number one overall, let's see this defense being played. And again, as you mentioned, it's 2018. This is a passing league, and teams are going to score touchdowns in football games. Baltimore doesn't do a lot of that. They got into a backdoor cover last week that I was very happy about. They scored on defense on a fourth down, whatever. They're not... They're not a juggernaut on offense. I don't trust them at all to be laying well, points the, on the road. The, the one injury that could potentially help Atlanta's passing game is Tony Jefferson, the safety for uh, the Ravens. Um, he's questionable, so if he doesn't play, that could hurt a little bit. But Even know, if he does play, they're going to make plays in the passing game against him. I, we'll see what happens with injuries in the quarterback. We'll see, but um, you know, I, I do expect Baltimore to score some points in this game. So if you are going to play Baltimore, I guess a, a nice little hedge would to be to play the over. All right, cool. Let's move on to our next game. Uh, Let's tackle Denver Broncos at Cincinnati Bengals. Right now it's showing Denver is um, giving up four and a half in this one. Uh, Three and three for Cincinnati at home. Um, Two and three for Denver on the road. Five and six overall for both teams. Um, Differences, Cincinnati's coming off three straight losses. Denver's coming off two straight wins. Um, It looks like uh, my guy Lindsey uh, is having a having a nice year for for Denver. He's uh, on pace for the most rushing yards by undrafted rookie. Uh, he's got 780, and the record is 1104. So he's having a good season. Dalton looks like he's out for the season. Uh, looks like we will have Jeff Driscoll as a under center with backup Tom Savage. How are we feeling about this one, Scoop? Yeah. So Cincinnati, like Atlanta, this, their season is over, and you know they're five and six. So. They're five and six. The I season's thought, over. I thought so too, Siri. This season is over. <laughs> okay. Um, just completely dis- <laughs> depleted defensively. Um, the worst head coach in the NFL, um, and he decided to bring in Hugh Jackson uh, to 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 help things. And, and we saw last week, you know, as uh, you know, I one of my favorite NFL bets of the season, Cleveland, come in and just 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 pulverize that team that that deserves it because um, you know Hugh Jackson is. 
I I'm not gonna go into it. <laughs> when when you look at this game, it's very simple. You can't touch Cincinnati with a ten foot pole. And as far as Denver's concerned, you know, Philip Lindsay is showing right now why all these teams that are spending first round draft capital on running backs are absolutely out of their mind. I don't care how good Saquon Barkley is. Right now on the rookie pay scale, he's getting paid as the fourth highest paid running back in the NFL. Philip Lindsay is a perfect example of why Carolina taking McCaffrey, all this first round, you know, even New England, a team that's proven that, you know, they know what they're doing a little bit. That, and the that, Bears that, are Jordan Howard. Yeah, I mean, just take, taking running backs early in the draft makes zero sense. They're, they're, they're out there everywhere, a dime a dozen. And, you know, you see teams that have a couple guys back there. You know, Indy's a perfect example. Marlon Mack, Naeem Hines, all these running backs. So Denver, um, you know, despite having terrible drafts here in the last five years, you know, they finally did, did a couple things right here last year. So Philip Lindsay in this running game, I think they continue to have success. Cincinnati can't stop the run. Um, I think they have no hope, no no desire to do anything now. The thing is, is um, you know, fading teams with inflated numbers at this point, you know, because nobody's going to want to touch Cincinnati, you're, you're getting them a little bit more value in the number. Um, it'll be a tough one as far as, you know, back in Denver in this game. Um, you know, does does the new quarterback Driscoll, who, who showed some life there in the second half last year against Cleveland, it looked like he was going to potentially, you know, lead a comeback. Um, came up short there at the end trying to get it down to one score. But uh, the guy showed like he could, you know, show a little bit of leadership and, you know, get the huddle going. So, you know, once again, it's Tuesday. We'll see if A.J. Green plays in this game. Um, if he does, it could be a huge difference maker, obviously. Different offense when he's on the field. But this Denver team, um, they can stop the pass. This has, you know, quietly been one of the best pass defenses in the NFL. And in 2018, um, you know, as we've seen here, you know, you know, we talk about these offenses that can move the ball. Well, playing good pass defense like Buffalo and Denver, you know, it goes a long way. So Denver can stop the pass here a little bit, control the clock, run the ball, um, low-scoring game. And, uh, you know, the play is either Denver or nothing, but I'll, I'll probably be on the sidelines for this one. I don't know about low-scoring game, and I'll tell you why. The last month, six weeks minimum, Cincinnati's defense has proven that they have gone down the drain quickly. They've lost linebackers that are out for the season. Two of them that are good players. They're gone. A.J. Green will wait and see what happens with them on the offensive side of the ball. But I'm going to refer this specific game. I've already bet this game. I actually laid minus three and a half on um, the road team Denver here. I'm a little aggravated myself. There was a future bet. I was going to take plus three and a half in this game. Decided not to. That was a mistake. Doesn't matter. I'm taking Denver minus three and a half this game. I think it's going to be four and a half on the card. And I'm going to tell you why. This game specifically reminds me of my golf handicapping, okay? There are teams and players in golf that are playing well. Denver is playing well. Mentally, they're into it. They're excited to get back onto the field. Then you have teams like Cincinnati that's bringing in coaches from all over the place that they're struggling mentally on the field, off the field. They're bringing in a new guy underneath center, actually, which I think will help them in this game. I think he'll be able to use their legs to keep it a little bit closer um, in that regard. But mentally, they don't have anything to, to hang their hat on. And Joe Mixon should be a little bit involved in this game, which will help. We'll see about Green. But even if Green comes back in this game, Cincinnati, ever since Eifert has gone out, cannot go down the middle of the field and make chunk plays down the middle of the field when you need them. I mean, those are, you know, tight ends, uh, you know, backs down the middle of the field, any of those types of things. Those plays are just not there to be had. 
<clears throat> and I'm going to go back to this exactly with the handicapping with the golf. Cincinnati's defense is almost as bad as it gets at this point as there is. This is a team that is is ready to quit. I mean, you know, we'll see what happens with Driscoll, but unless something drastically changes, expect for me to be putting Denver on my card and expect for them to be winning by between 10 and 14. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you said that about the points. I actually just thinking about it a little bit more. Um, yeah, this game does have kind of sneaky shootout potential a little bit with... Uh, Cincinnati's defense is always going to have yeah, a no, shootout. You, 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 you definitely... Their I mean, defense is eight, just that bad right eight now. Eight of the last ten Denver games have gone under, and I've been on a couple of them. So yeah. at a certain point, you know, I'm just going to kind of chase and just be upset and, and, and eventually just be like, okay, well, eventually one's got to go over. Uh, could potentially have a little bit on that here because of that. Um but yeah, Denver. Denver has a carryover. schedule. They can, they can, they can yeah. really make some noise. I've been talking about Th- this, this team is, for a this while. This is probably the spot of the week. Where Bradley Chubb is is an up and coming, you know, game wrecker. This you know, is, he was of, drafted of, with of the fourth the, pick overall. He's the, on the other side of Von Miller. Can ruin a game. The two games. Well, we've touched on I think three in a row here now. Where like you just look at belief. Yes. Bears have belief. Giants don't. Ba- Ravens have belief. Falcons don't. Broncos really have some belief coming off back-to-back wins against the Steelers and Chargers. Complete momentum carryover spot. Bengals don't. So, at this point in the season, you know, I think you've— Bengals you know, don't and, have and any I'll talent you, either, though. I think the way I see this playing out is I think this total creeps back up to, like, 44 and a half, um, and I think Denver eventually closes minus six. And I think it'll move up more. It's I, up to five some yeah, places, five clo- and a half. No one's going to want to touch Cincinnati. This game closes six, and I'll probably be teasing Denver on Sunday. All right, we can move on to our next game. We got Los Angeles Rams at Detroit Lions. I saw it at 9.5. It looks like it's at 10 now. Uh, Detroit's getting 10. Uh, We have a a 4-1 away team in the Rams, 10-1 overall, coming off two uh, two wins. Detroit's coming off a loss. They're 3-3 at home, 4-7 overall. Rams looking to clinch division with, uh, with a win, also looking to get to lead back as it returns to practice after being placed on IR in week three due to an ankle. Uh, and the Detroit Lions, they made Jeopardy as a, um, as a, as a question um, or an answer, how oh do you want to put it? As of 2018, this NFC North team had never even made the Super Bowl, much less won it. <laughs> so that's how Detroit's uh, <laughs> history has been. Not good. Sorry, homies out in Detroit. But um, how are we feeling about this game, Lip? Well, <clears throat> this Marvin game, Jones is on the IR too. Yeah, right? Marvin Jones is out here, and um, you didn't mention Carryon Johnson. We're going to have to see if he's going to be able to play in this game, and they need him in this game. And if he, if he does come back in this game, you know what that's going to have the impact of? Absolutely nothing. I expect the lo- Carryon. Yes, I expect the locomotive coming into Detroit this week. I think the Rams. You know, getting to lead back is going to be big for this team. Coming off a bye, right? They are, yes, they are coming off a bye. The the um, the crazy shootout with Kansas City, if yeah. you remember, you know, they they ended up on the winning side of that. Yeah. You know, which momentum is going to help them? And I expect. Let's go back a month ago, give or take, when uh, Detroit was uh, walked into Chicago and had trouble with that defensive line. Yeah. I expect this defensive line to come in and really cause some havoc for Detroit. I think that. Gurley's going to be unstoppable in this game. I think Detroit has internal issues um, with Patricia coming in and the way he's doing things, you know, practicing outside. I mentioned in the past they want to get back to the basics, you know, to learn some things and get on, you know, the right same page with the coaches and those types of things. Well, that's not going to matter in this game. 
because the Rams are going to come in here and they're going to score a lot of points in this game and they're going to control the tempo of the game in this point. Jared Goff will get the ball in and out quickly. Um, you know, we do we did mention that Cooper Cup has been down for uh, for injury for a few weeks. Reynolds is a guy that's that's uh, come up that people like a lot. They like his potential in this game. Um, I just think that the Rams are going to be offensively a machine in this game. I think they put up well over 30 points in this game. And Detroit obviously has, you know, dug themselves a hole they can't get out of. They're playing the rest of the season to see, you know, the direction of the franchise. And that, at this time of the season, is not a good way to be going. Who um, says they can't put up the same amount of numbers they did against Kansas City? I mean... Well, that's what the Rams, yeah. yeah. I agree. I, I, I think they come in rolling. I, I think they come in with a chip on their shoulder. Um, they, they have some games coming up with Chicago next week. They want to, you know, probably get, you know, on the same page and build some momentum going into that game, that game in case there's potential home field advantage, you know, this, implications. This Detroit team is not good against the run. I mean, they they, they held my Bears to a well, pretty if, low Yes, and if, and if you remember, but, you know, the last game in the shootout with Kansas City, Gurley didn't get his touches as much as he normally does. I expect him to get a full load here. And he's going to be too much of a load in this game. On and turf, yeah. Yeah, I think it's. I think that they win this game by seventeen to twenty-four. I like the Rams. Expect it to be on my card. Yeah. No. Apparently, Gurley in that Kansas City game had some kind of ankle injury. Oh, did he? Early, okay. Okay. Which is well, why yeah. they didn't utilize him as much. But, but they had the yeah. bye week. Yep. I think also I was telling my my DraftKings buddy is you know I think McVay is just smart enough to realize that he needs golf's confidence in the playoffs to really be able to contend with a New Orleans team in a shootout. He decided on that stage, you know, this is the night we're going to make golf feel good about himself, and I think it was a great game plan, and it's the type of thing that elite coaches do because they're thinking about the big picture. You know, he easily could have let Gurley rush for 150 in that game, but that's not what the team needed to eventually win a Super Bowl. So kudos to McFay for being what he is, probably the best coach in the NFL at age 33. But, yeah, when you look at this game, Detroit, this is a defense that has played very well against some great offenses at home. So – um, those things. Where's are, the hope, though? Yeah, no. So that's 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 where we where we get right back to the same thing. Four and seven. Do you still believe? So you know what I'll be doing here these next three days is just kind of reading some some articles from the local beat writers from these teams and trying to get a little bit of a gauge on the on the teams and how they're feeling because there's a lot of teams in that four and seven, three and eight range where you you just got to find out. You know, you I'll need be, professionalism. I'll be watching teams. some press conferences, trying to read body language. What what teams are giving up? Which teams have some hope? Detroit's one of the more interesting ones, where I think it's probably one of the harder ones to predict, because at four and seven, you know, you could rattle off a couple in a row here. Um, you know, you got a new head coach that's, you know, not the type of guy that you know, no nonsense type of guy. So, um, you know, with, with it, with you know, Snacks Harrison coming in, that run defense on the interior has been a lot better. But at the end of the day, this is the Rams. Um, this is inside on a dumb. And this is an offense that can beat you really any way that they want to. Now, Detroit, um, you know, they're going to have a little bit of extra rest here coming off of the Thursday game. And uh, the Rams, you know, like we touched on in the Bears game, you know, that's a big matchup here coming up. So, you know, coming off the huge win against Kansas City, then you go to Chicago. You know, are they a little flat here traveling from L.A. all the way up to cold Detroit? You know what kind of what kind of uh, a team do we see coming out here early? I played over fifty four and a half in this game. Not in complete love with it, but um, you know I watched that Thursday game and you know the Bears they scored twenty three with a defensive touchdown and you know if you watch the game it, it easily could, they could have scored in, you know thirty five in that game. I mean this Detroit defense just isn't good. 
Um, you know, like a lot of these bad defenses, they, they can't stop the run or the pass. So I expect the Rams to flirt with 40 like they have so many times. I mean, they scored th- the, the percentage of 30-point games for the Rams since McVay took over is like 68%. So, you know, for them to not score 30 would, would almost be a huge underdog. So, you know, Rams flirt with 40, get to 30, and uh, you know, well, you, you, Stafford yeah. without Marvin Jones – well, that's a, that's Big exactly life. what I was going to say, Scoop. You're 100. percent No Marvin Jones. Don't forget that a couple of and weeks ago, on. a couple of weeks ago, they also got rid of you know one of their best wide receivers you know for the last five years in Golden Tate. Another piece that's gone. You know, you you, you lose that or you get rid of Abdullah before Carryon Johnson had his injury. Now you're bringing in Legarrette Blunt to be the featured back. I mean, come on. Detroit at the beginning of the season had a ton of weapons. They don't have the weapons anymore on this offense to compete. Take the Rams and lay the points. All right, fellas, let's move on to our next game. We got Arizona getting 14. Uh, the Cardinals at Green Bay. Green Bay Packers, Rodgers with another uh, run-the-table prediction recently in the media, saying he's going to make it to the postseason. Of course, he's going to need some help from other teams as well, but we remember uh, Aaron Rodgers had made a prediction before that he's going to run the table and did so. I'm not sure if that's going to be able to happen this year. Uh, Cardinals, they cut two starters coming this week. Re- uh, right tackle Andre Smith and the cornerback Bernie Bernwinkler. Uh, but um, I don't know. Both of these teams are coming off of uh, back-to-back losses. Um, Arizona, three losses, actually. They're 2-9 and nine overall, the Cardinals. 4-6 and six for Green Bay. Green Bay is 4-0, and, oh and uh, but they had that tie at home. Um, and Arizona's just 1-4 on the road. So how are we feeling about this one? Yeah, Green Bay is a team that has lost nine consecutive road games quietly. Play much better at home. Arizona coming off back-to-back road games, heading from L.A. up to Wisconsin for this one. So, you know, not the greatest travel spot situation for Arizona, but at the end of the day, you know, this is the NFL. 14 points is a lot, and I just don't think this Green Bay team is good enough to lay 14. Rarely do we see teams in the NFL completely no-show, get murdered, and then come out and get murdered again. Um, it's why, you know, we've seen, you know, it's it's classic – bounce back, you know, recency bias, NFL, print money. I mean, it's just how it is. You bet on teams that got embarrassed, it's usually a good recipe. Arizona, this is a team that came came out with some good energy against the Chargers, take a 10-0 lead, and they give up 45 in a row. Um, so I expect Arizona to, you know, you know and, and, and from the quarterback matchup, one of the more interesting ones because the guy that – Rosen reminds me of personality-wise is Rodgers. So two super high Q guys at quarterback. Please don't ever compare those two together. Please. <laughs> Just personality-wise. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, as far as what? Like, and, and they look yeah. alike too. They got similar noses. Again, let's not talk about comparable. You know, I mean, we're we're talking about a Hall of Famer and and a garbage draft pick. Personality. Josh Rosen will be better than Josh Allen. <laughs> Go ahead, Scoop. Continue. I'm not even okay, going to so, – I'm not chiming so, in. So this Green Bay team, Nick Perry on IR, Mike Daniels, I don't know if he'll be back for this game, but this Green Bay team can't stop the run. Coming off of a just demoralizing loss on Sunday Night Football against Minnesota, how much belief does this Green Bay team have? To me, this this uh, this comment from Rodgers you tell me about that I just am now hearing is kind of laughable. Um, you know, I, don't, I don't see a Green Bay team that – they have one game left on their schedule they should lose. It's with the Rams. So that's going to make things difficult. But their schedule is very easy. Green, Bay. Green base. Yes. The, very easy schedule. The Green Bay Packers, and I'm stealing this from a, from a guy on Twitter, one of the best tweets I've read here in the last month. The, the Green Bay Packers are the Cincinnati Bengals plus Aaron Rodgers. That's the only difference between the two teams. Um, you're going to put you're going to put Patrick Peterson on Devontae Adams in this game. And then you look at this Green Bay team. Who else, who else really scares you? Um, it's pretty light. 
Aaron Jones is going to have to do some things on the ground here. But I expect David Johnson to have some success as well. 14's too many. I'm on Arizona already. But as far as the card's concerned, you know, we'll see how the injury news breaks out. It was at Chicago they have left on the schedule. So that was my mistake there for uh, Green Bay. Now let's get back to last week with uh, Minnesota Green Bay game. I, I bet Minnesota in that game because Aaron Rodgers donated a million dollars to the, the wildfires that are going on in California. Yeah. There's a lot of people that he knows personally that are involved with that. Um, I don't know, you know, where his head was at going into the Minnesota game, but from a standpoint of what Aaron Rodgers said, and you are 100% right, OG, that he did say that they could run the table and he rattled off the games, and that's where his head is at now. Now, we're talking about Arizona. We had a little debate with my, my brother who helps me with stuff last week, and you didn't think that, you know, Arizona was going to hold tight against the Chargers. Well, sure, they looked great early. They were up 10 nothing until they quit. They gave up 45 points in that game. And let's go back the week before that, that they had a home game against Oakland that they lost on the last play of the game over there. I think this this uh, Arizona Cardinals team, congratulations to them, has you know moved right into the worst team in pro football. I mean, they have a guy underneath center that looks in gym shorts that can throw the ball fine, but he's lackadaisical. He has no leadership skills. He doesn't you know show any urgency. You know, this is the type of player that he is. Now, I do agree with you, Scoop, that, that Green Bay doesn't have a boatload of talent. They have enough pieces on the field with Aaron Jones turning into a very good player. Um, I do expect Randall Cobb to be coming back into this game, and he's familiar with the offense and will make plays as well. It's a lot of points on the card. It will not be on my card. I don't really have too much of an opinion on this game at all, but those are the facts that I have. Cool. Uh, we can move on to our next game. Uh, let's tackle Cleveland Browns at Houston Texans. Uh, I got the four and a half uh, spread during the game. I guess it must have went. It went up, up a little. We'll see. Yeah, half probably right five now. and a half, maybe showing. on the card, maybe six. It's a nice game from uh, Houston. Uh, Houston is now eight and three overall, <laughs> and they are on an eight-game win streak. Uh, Cleveland's got a little win streak of their own, going with two wins. They're four and six overall, one and four on the road though, um, and Texans with a healthy four and one at home. Houston coming off franchise record, eighth straight win. Uh, Demarius Thomas finally gets it going with his first uh, touchdowns, two mm-hmm. as a Texan. Uh, but the Browns, Mayfield is, uh, he's got a, you know, he's, he looks like he's got that type of fire that Manziel had, but just a better, better mentality, better, better mental, quarterback, uh, better quarterback, just better leader, better mm-hmm. person on and mm-hmm. off the field. Yep, he's uh, straight. He, he, him and the Browns have snapped some streaks here. The 17 game losing streak they snapped. 19-game winless streak, they snapped. 18-game AFC North winless streak, they snapped. 33-game losing streak on Sundays, he snapped, they snapped. 25-game road losing streak, they snapped. And 64 games without back-to-back wins. What? Yeah. Yeah. What? Yeah, whatever. Yeah, no, the 25-game road losing streak, you said? What are you talking about, Scoop? But no, um... Yeah, I mean, how we feel yeah, about this? Yeah, no, they're, like listen, here's, five and a half. Yeah, here's the deal with Cleveland. I think it'll be six on the card. Yeah. Uh, I laid, or I took plus seven a week in advance a, a game. I thought that was a great bet, ton of value in that game. Um, but there really isn't that much value in this game. There is no player in pro football that has improved since uh, the beginning of the season up until now more than Deshaun Watson. 
Yeah. Deshaun Watson last year was out with the knee injury. He came back early in the season and played in games where he was actually being tracked down um, by slow linebackers. Oh, that's not the case anymore. This guy is playing at an elite level. And I thought Houston was going to be, you know, the Colts would come back and, and, you know, probably win this division. It's not going to happen. Houston is a team to be rocking with in the AFC. And this is a team very easily that could go to the Super Bowl from the AFC. I never thought I would say that, but they very easily could go to the Super Bowl from the AFC. They have Merciless. They have Watt. They have... Uh, um, Clowney? Yeah, Clowney as well, exactly. Thanks for chiming in there, OG. This, they, they can rush four. They can rush three. They can rush five. And they can put a lot of pressure on. That being said, I'm impressed with Cleveland. I've been very hard on Baker Mayfield yeah. uh, from a standpoint of I don't think he's going to be able to last in this league. I don't think he's big enough. It's not that he's not talented enough. He's a talented player with a good head on his shoulders, undersized, but he demands the huddle. He's a leader, and and people like him. You could see at the end of the game last week when he shook hands with his old coach that you know he wasn't going to have any business with that coach. Fooey on you. That's garbage. That's absolute garbage by Baker Mayfield because this is a coach that was fired. He didn't walk away from the job. They fired him. He went over there to congratulate Baker Mayfield on a good football game, and Baker Mayfield wants to be in his, you know, oh, you know, whatever. Kind of oh, my God, what a terrible take. First off, he, sh- he shook his hand. That's all he owes him. He doesn't know him anything more than that. This, this is a guy that sits here and he tells him he's going to fight and this and that, comes out, gets fired, and he's going to go to a division rival? The reason in two weeks? The reason Baker Mayfield is upset with him is because it goes back to hard knocks. No, no, no. Yes, it does. When First he said, off, congratulations, Baker Mayfield, you've won the backup job. Honestly, and that's pissed off honestly, Baker Mayfield since day one. He's this, always had a chip on his This comes down to guy. real, recognized, real, and Hugh Jackson's as fake okay, as Okay, well, oh, so, so Baker Mayfield at Oklahoma sticking in in Ohio State is, you know, this is the type of kid that this is. And let me tell you something. He's a cocky kid that gets well, the job done. Exactly. In three years, he won't be in the NFL anymore because guys are going to take shots at him and he's maybe, not big enough to maybe, take Maybe, but that offensive line is starting to protect him a little bit. And that's okay. what now we're Listen, seeing, okay. Now we're seeing him what he okay, is. Okay, well, let me tell you something else, Scoop. He's by far the worst quarterback in this game. He doesn't hold a torch at all to, to Deshaun Watson. Okay, he's played a couple of good games, and he's gotten some pieces coming back after the bye week. But let's not compare him to anybody that's done anything in this league. That's a joke, all right? What? What's a joke? A joke that Baker Mayfield has been putting, put on a platform for whatever he's done so far. He's done nothing. In this league, he's played. He's beat up on some stingy little garbage teams, and he's played some bad football as well, too. All right, Deshaun Watson in this game is the better quarterback. That being said, I think it's too many points in this game. I'm not sure if this will be on my card, but I, I'm sick and tired of putting this Baker Mayfield on this pedestal. Okay, this- you're, you're dead wrong. What, what this comes down to is back to the whole thing I talked about with the Bears: infrastructure, Matt Nagy play calling. Play calling is everything in the NFL. And guess what happened? As soon as Todd Haley and Hugh Jackson got the fuck out of oh, here. Oh, they beat Cincinnati last it, week on the road. We both love Cleveland. They, they, Let's not pat played, ourselves they, on the they back They played here. Atlanta. They played Cincinnati. And who, who was the week before that? Kansas City. They had Kansas Atlanta City. at home. And Kansas City. They had Atlanta at and home. And, and what people miss about the Kansas City game is they lose their top two corners in the first quarter, and they still got a chance to backdoor cover okay. at the end of the game. Okay. This Cleveland team, since they got a new offensive coordinator that's getting the ball out of Baker's hands early in the plays, 
is actually starting to make this team without a left tackle because Joe Thomas decided to randomly retire right when the team was going to get good. Very interesting decision. But this Cleveland Brown team without a left tackle at all, playing with a, you know basically a third stringer, has all of a sudden now kept Baker clean. And what we've seen him do with clean pockets is just Com- you know, do what he wants. His numbers He's are. He's played against in the Cincinnati last- and Atlanta in the last two games. Right, and now this the game- worst two defenses in pro football against the pass with Tampa Bay. Well, I'll tell you something. Houston's pass defense isn't much better. Houston's defense is way better than those defenses. Are you kidding me? I didn't say that. I said Houston's pass defense isn't much better either. Okay, that's Houston, fine. Houston struggles to defend the pass. Now, where this could potentially be a little bit of an issue for Cleveland and why I could potentially be playing back on my plus seven that I locked in early um, is the fact that you know Nick Chubb in that running game has been huge here in the last three weeks, and all of a sudden this Houston team right there with the – New Orleans Saints and the Chicago Bears. So on a neutral field, what do you, what do you, who do you like in this game on a neutral field? It's your role. I don't think Houston. I don't Houston's think, proved to me winning I would, eight games in I'll a row, just, and put, with Deshaun Watson being a hundred percent healthy. I'll put it this way: I'm, I would much rather play Cleveland plus seven on the road than I would to, to play them in a pick. So would home. I. Yes, this is all about the number. Well, this is it. This H- is the number helps here. I agree yeah, with you. I don't think this is a game where I really treat the home field as a, a full three points. This is you know early start Houston team coming off of a primetime win. Don't expect it to be the highest urgency spot for Houston. This is a team that beat Cleveland at home here. I think uh, it was by ten to thirteen here uh, last year, and. You know, I think Cleveland's going to be able to move the ball through the air in this game. I think this is a game where, you know, it's like you touched on, this is a great quarterback matchup. And I'll tell you this right now, there's not many people in the world that are higher on Deshaun Watson than I am. Because at I the end of there. the day, when I look at quarterbacks, I look at the intangibles. Who Absolutely. gets the job done late in the game? This is why I'm a Russ Wilson guy. He's a top this, four this quarterback five in the league right now. Easy. What, what Deshaun Watson did in the second half of the national championship against Alabama is the best college quarterback play I've seen. Considering the circumstances, the stage, the revenge from the season before, and Deshaun Watson, like you touched on, the explosion, the running, the the, I mean, his pocket awareness. I mean, and DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, there's just nobody better with body control than him. So we're gonna find out a lot about Denzel Ward on Sunday because that that Ward Hopkins matchup is probably gonna be one of the huge determinants here. Now. You touched on Houston being a real AFC contender here. And as much as I love Watson and there's variables to this Houston team I love, I think the second Will Fuller went down, this team's ceiling was really limited. Not to mention, you know, they play in a dome, and, you know, we see some of these teams that can throw the ball. This Houston pass defense has yet to be exposed. We saw it a little bit on that Thursday game with Devontae Parker. When you can't stop the pass in 2018, you're going to have issues. I agree with you. Now, what we're going to find out is how sharp is Freddie Kitchens because is he going to sit there and on first, is he going to put his team in second and eight, second and nine, over and over and over and run the ball on first down like Todd Haley used to? I don't think he will. I think he's going to let Baker get the ball in play action, out on the run, throw to these guys in the open field, in the fast track on the dome, and, and score some points. I think this game comes down to the wire. Deshaun Watson makes the plays late. And it's too many points. And Houston squeaks out a two to three point win, but this is going to be a great football game on Sunday to watch. Yeah, let's see if Mayfield can make it through healthy. All right, fellas, let's move on to the next game: um, Indianapolis Colts at Jacksonville Jaguars. Right now, it's showing that the Colts are giving up four points here. What do you got? As we touched on five, six times now, another game where one team's going for the playoff push, got yeah. a lot of hope and belief, and the other team has. No care level for whatsoever to play football anymore. Leonard Fournette suspended. Left tackle playing a four-stringer after Cam Robinson goes down. 
Left guard, Andrew Noel, the prize free agent left guard signing coming over from Carolina. He's now out. Center, Brandon Linder, one of the best centers, top five in the league. He's out. Your entire left side of the offensive line gone. Your running back that could give you a little bit of semblance of a running game, suspended for fighting like an absolute punk. Now you bring in Kessler, your bench Bortles, just a last-ditch effort. You fire your offense coordinator, Nathaniel Hackett, that was an absolute magician a season ago that gave this team a chance, if not for a third and 22 to Danny Amendola for New England on the road in, in, a, in a blown dead play call and a Miles Jack return fumble, is playing for a Super Bowl somehow with Blake Bortles under center and you fire the offensive coordinator. Absolute joke. Nathaniel Hackett, whoever hires him, is going to be making a great decision. This guy could be a nice head coach here. 2018, when play calling is at a premium and offensive play calling, is it, is it more important than ever? Um, this guy was, like I said, nothing short of magical last season with Bortles. And you fire this guy in, in, in the same week you, you bench Bortles. Kessler, we saw him playing Cleveland. Noodle arm, um, just not very not very good. And, and all, it comes down to infrastructure. If this guy plays well in this game, it would be a miracle. Um, playing with a, basically you know, four backups on the offensive line. Um, you can't run the ball. You got a bunch of number two receivers, and here you got an Andrew Luck and a Colts team with quietly Frank Reich, coach of the year. Um, you know, you see this Philly offense just complete. You know, last year everyone wanted to. You know, I, I was really low on Doug Peterson. Kind of had to eat my words there in the Super Bowl. But you know, the more I think about it, I, I kind of want to go back to everyone that was giving me some crap on Twitter. And and uh, you know, I think we got to understand that sometimes. And I guess delegation is a good part of leadership, and you got to give Peterson credit for putting smart guys around him and letting them make the decisions. But, you know, it turns out that Frank Reich really might have been the brains last year, and it wasn't Peterson, and we're seeing it carry over into this indie offense. Last week, you're not at your best. You have a couple of cur- crucial turnovers with Andrew Luck. You really didn't play your best. You lose Darius Leonard a little bit in the first half. And what do you do? Good teams find a way to win games when you're not playing at your best. And the Colts are a good football team. Darius Leonard gives them a real nice run-stopping defense. They still are a little susceptible in the air, but this is not a game where Jacksonville is going to be able to exploit their weakness in their pass defense. So I expect the Colts' defense to hold this Jacksonville team to under 17, and I expect the Colts' offense to do what they do, score points. You couldn't be more right. Last um, five games for the Colts have been wins. Last seven for the Jacksonville Jaguars have been losses. Six and five overall for the Colts. Three and eight overall for the Jags. Two and three away for the uh, Colts, though. Two and four at home for the Jags. Um, yeah, winning record for the first time uh, since late 2015 for the Colts. And uh, Bortles, as we see, is out. Kessler in. Lib, what do you got to say? Yeah, I mean, you know, I <clears throat> I'm a little bit aggravated myself in this game too because I was going to take minus two and a half on the road in a future look ahead. Knowing that that was going to be the best number, I decided not to pull the trigger on that. And now we're looking at a line at three and a half that's gone up. I did lay the three and a half minus 05 on this game, and it's gone up into the four and a half range, and it'll probably get closer to six. Now, Scoop, you mentioned the biggest part of this game here is the offensive line for Jacksonville. It's, it's, it's turned into the Washington Redskins. It's, the whole thing is gone. You know, and you look at the Buffalo game that Jacksonville played against Buffalo, you know, arguably the best player on the field in that game was Leonard Fournette. He had them coming back in that game. He was the toughest player on the field, and he was, you know, Jacksonville was getting back into that game. And he runs all the way across the field and punches somebody in the helmet with a closed fist with, you know, their helmet on. 
yeah. and get suspended for a game. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, what are you even thinking? This is just a mistake that you can't be making. You know, Doug Marone back in the heyday would never have anything to do with this. Blake Bortles, I agree with you in the fact that they have actually uh, – it's a – last ditch to put Kessler in. This is a backup that you bring in a guy like Kessler into a football game if someone gets hurt in the game. You don't start a guy like this. This is an undersized guy with a, a, an arm that is noodle, as you would call it, and he's throwing to no weapons. I mean, the Colts are moving. I agree with you in the fact that Andrew Luck did not play his best game last week. He had a couple of picks, and even the game-winning uh, touchdown to Ebron at the end of the game could have been picked. But like you said, good teams find a way to win. And I told everybody at the beginning of last week that this was a great play with Indianapolis over. I think they score game, uh, points in this game, you know, here. Jacksonville's lost on defense. You know, they do have Bouye back, which is going to help in this game. But how are you supposed to trust a team in Jacksonville that has no direction? You can't. The Colts are the play. You got something to say? Nope. All right, let's move on to Buffalo. Buffalo Bills at Miami Dolphins. Last time I checked, the Dolphins were uh, laying six in this one. Let's see I think if it's they a change. Five now. Change to five. All right, so we got an overall record for the Dolphins: five and six, four and seven for Buffalo. Um, Buffalo's coming off two back-to-back -back wins. Dolphins coming off two losses. Uh, it's AFC East matchup. Josh Allen coming off a big game, 99-yard rushing. Um, just eight of 18 though, for 160 yards. But um, Adam Gase, I don't know. It looks like he's having a little bit of a um, being put under the microscope for having like an offensive pedigree and not being able to get the right play calls out. Uh, looks like having a little bit of dysfunction in that regard. But uh, how are we feeling about this one? Yeah, no, you touched on uh, Josh Allen, 8 of 18. I mean, this is these are stat lines that we've seen week in and week out. And, and, and my, my, my co-partner uh, over here wants to talk about the, using the words Hall of Fame and Josh Allen in the same sentence. I, Absolutely, I just, and I just, I'll continue to agree. I, I just can't believe it. I mean, th this guy in a 2018 passing league can't throw the football. I mean, he's a great athlete, one of the best I've ever seen. The guy's Okay, name another quarterback on. on Buffalo with the talent they have that would do better than him. He's playing. There's a the, few. They're, they're, they've found a way to win some games Baker that, Mayfield? that they shouldn't have. Baker Mayfield, maybe? What's the question? Who would be better underneath center for Buffalo than Josh Allen? I mean, there's guys like Andrew Luck that I would take. I mean, let's not get ridiculous, but, uh, you know, Josh Allen is doing a lot of really good things in this team. They don't have a lot of talent. We know this. If, if your goal is to go out and scrap and find a way to win games against Josh Allen teams, can make all the throws Josh, in this league. Josh he can make throws that Baker Mayfield cannot make. Josh Allen is a scrappy guy. So, yes, for the, for the situation that Buffalo's in um, – He's he's a scrappy guy that's going to find a way to win some games and why they're four and seven right now, but he's eight of eighteen. I mean, the, the, the guy's completion percentage careers in the low fifties. Um, in a passing league, his ceiling is so limited. Okay. So we're we're going to see what kind of work ethic he has if some quarterback guru can fix him. But you know, to me, accuracy. As long as he gets it, Baker Mayfield's toughness, he'll be okay. Accuracy is the most important um, variable to a quarterback skill set, and you know he's just not very accurate. But this is a game where. Buffalo got a little momentum coming off back-to-back -back wins. Team's having some fun. They're going to go down south after being at home here to play in Miami. It's going to be in the 90s. And Miami's a team that's getting a little bit healthier. They're in a must-win spot. Their season's not completely hopeless yet. Um, they're sitting at 5-6, uh, and six, so you can get back to 500 with a win here. Team that's played much better at home this season, 4-1. and one. Um, You know, Buffalo, obviously a team that consistently plays better at home and, and, and worse on the road, 2-4 and four on the road. So I do expect the Dolphins to get a win here. I don't know if they are good enough to lay more than four points to anybody in the NFL. 
and that's why I lean to Buffalo as far as the spread's concerned. But this could be a game to, you know, tease Miami and, and play Baltimore on the, on the spread or Buffalo on the spread and hope it lands in the middle. But, um, you know, I think Miami's health is a big deal. We saw them last week against Indy put up a nice little effort. So, you know, if that carries over, you, you make Buffalo a one-dimensional team with that bad offensive line. You force them to run the ball with a quarterback that can't complete very many passes. And, uh, you know, it's tough to score points. So I expect Miami to win a pretty ugly game. Yeah, well, what you did not mention in this game, and you better take note of it, everybody that's listening, is how good Buffalo's defense is. Buffalo's defenses uh, creates turnovers. They get a lot of sacks. They don't give up a lot of big plays. They play with emotion. And five points in this game is way too many. Yeah, I think so. I took six and a half when this this came out. You know, of course, I have a good number again, something that you missed, Scoop. But, um, you know, this game here is it's just too many points. I mean, you know, Miami, you know, they played they did play decent in the Indianapolis game because there were a couple turnovers there that allowed them to stay in that game. That game could have easily gotten out of hand, similar to the Green Bay game a few weeks ago that you liked where Green Bay just stuck it to Miami. Miami is a team that, you know, offensively, I think that Amendola got dinged up in this game. Parker came back, looked all right. Uh, the running back for them uh, was dinged up. He said he will play. Um, you know, Miami's defense to me, I've been watching them the last month, month and a half, and, and they to me don't look like a defense that can control and be outstanding in a game, similar to when Chicago came into Buffalo and controlled the game. I don't see Miami's defense that type. You know, they do have Cameron Wake, which Buffalo is going to have to pay, you know, big time attention to him and control him. But there's no way that you can be laying anything remotely close to more than a field goal in this game because. You know, you put them on neutral fields, and I'm betting Buffalo on a neutral field at Pickham. I think they're a better football team with more emotion, a better leader under center, and a team that is playing with more passion. So I'm not positive yet that Buffalo will be on my card, but certainly the side that I'm considering. All right, fellas, let's move along and tackle Carolina Panthers at Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, I'm showing uh, minus four right now. Uh, let's see if that has changed at all. I think it'll be three and a yeah, half. Three and a half. Uh, Carolina's the favorite. Um, this is a game where, uh, you know, we saw these two teams play not too long ago, 42 to 28. Carolina's offense kind of did what they wanted, and, and I expect this game to yeah, three and a half. Be, a, be another shootout where 2018, we've seen some games where, you know, these number, these totals, they, they can't really set them high enough. Well, both of these teams offensively, the strength that they have is the weakness of the opposing team's defense. So I'm on over 56 in this game. It's one of my favorite totals. Yeah, we bought that together. Season. Yep. Um, Carolina's weakness is stopping the pass. Jameis Winston back under center with all those weapons. Tampa Bay strength. Tampa Bay defensively, I mean, they played well last week with, I think they're up to like eight or nine backups playing now. Um, you know, the, the, running, the linebacker situation's a mess. Can't stop the run. I expect Carolina to, after losing three in a row here with their season on the line, to come out and really play with some urgency offensively. And I expect Jameis Winston to keep his team in the game and to move the ball up and down the field, hitting guys like Adam Humphreys and you know Cameron Brate on top of these receivers that they have. So I expect this game to be played in the high 30s. I think it could be similar to that Giants-Tampa Bay game, 38-35. Um, as far as the, to the, the numbers concerned, I lean to Tampa Bay here getting the points. But, you know, not in love with with, Lane, with only getting three and a half with this Tampa Bay team. Um, playing against a, a Carolina team that will be in an all-in performance. 
And I just don't envision Tampa Bay stopping Carolina's offense very often. So, to me, I'll be on the over. Uh, potentially Tampa Bay plus three and a half on the card. But it'll just depend on how things crack out. Well, I bet this game. I took Tampa Bay plus four. For all you experts out there that are looking for teams that are going to be into the playoffs and, you know, futures and teams you want to bet on in the playoffs, make sure you don't bet on Carolina because they're not making the playoffs. This team's six and five. They lost three games in a row. Okay, and they lost the Thursday night game against Pittsburgh. It was a blowout. They go into the Detroit game. Remember the game that I that we had this discussion scoop about, you know, should they go for two or your your math or whatever? They screwed it up and it screwed this this team up. Yeah. Yeah. So they're six and five. Well, guess who else they get to play two more times before the end of the season? Good old New Orleans. What do you think is gonna happen in those games? Right. Those are losses. And you did not mention the fact of how bad Carolina's secondary is at this point. Seattle was a team that they were in this game controlling it. They squandered a couple opportunities in the first quarter to get up big in this game. And even if Carolina gets up big against anybody, they don't have a secondary or a pass rush in order to to stay in the game and get teams off of the field. Tampa Bay is going to score in this game. Carolina's... uh, Let's go back to my golf analysis. Their confidence is shaken. It's big time shaking on that secondary. They had a fourth down and seven or whatever it was against Seattle up by seven at the end of that game. They go over the top. You know, they're, they're pointing fingers and things like that. You yeah. can't be doing that in this league. Nope. You need to win games like that against Seattle at home. This is late in the season, yeah. Yeah, you, you know, you're challenging these teams for tiebreakers late in the season on who's going to be making it into the playoffs because there's no question at this point, Minnesota or Chicago, whoever win that division, the other team's getting into the playoffs. That's a lock for a playoff spot, and it's going to come down to the Seattles. It's going to come down to these other teams like Carolina that's going to want to get in, and they're not going to get in. Tampa Bay's... Offense in this game is going to be able to be trusted. Cameron Brake came back. He works out well with Winston. I expect Tampa Bay to win this game outright. And if they don't win the game outright, you're telling me that you're giving me more than a three and a half. You're giving me three and a half points at home against a Carolina team that's lost three in a row. And their defense has moved quickly into the top five defenses and they, they can't stop the pass. That's all Tampa Bay can do is pass the ball. I need to look at a couple other things in this game, but expect Tampa Bay to be showing up on my cart. Winston coming off a no turnover, two touchdown win for the first time since last December. Yeah, uh, you want to talk about contract years? You talk what's about Tampa on, on Bay's record? Defense. What's Tampa Bay's record? I think they're four and four seven. And seven. They, they, it might be too much to overcome, but and I hope. It's, and, and as far as Carolina's concerned, and you talk about the schedule on the stretch run. Oh, this schedule's been brutal since day one. It's one of the toughest schedules in the league. And it's the reason why that I was under eight and a half on their they season. St- win guess total. who? Were, guess where Carolina goes this week after this week? And you're talking about playoffs. Yeah. Cleveland at Cleveland, another tough game. I like New Orleans twice. Yeah, well, I'm I'm saying the same thing too. Carolina is going to be going back to that two point conversion we discussed a couple of weeks ago. It was a downfall for their season. In in 2018, stopping the pass is very important. Fellas, let's move along to um, Kansas City Chiefs. They're laying 15 here against Oakland, in Oakland. Oakland is 1-4 at home. Uh, Kansas City is 4-2 on the road. Both teams coming off a loss, but polar opposite records, 9-2 versus 2-9. How are we feeling about this one? Scoop, take it. This is the NFL, um, and laying two touchdowns is not something that— More than two. Yeah, laying more than two touchdowns is, is— you know, it's tough to cover in those situations. Now, this week the media has gotten a hold of this stat— which is teams that are favored by more than seven 
are hitting at a ridiculous, ridiculous clip this season. And because of that, I continue. I expect the public to continue to gravitate towards these big favorites. And Kansas City's made a lot, lined a lot of people's pockets this season. In Oakland, a team that I've faded here a couple times, haven't done the best job, picked a couple bad t- you know times to do it. But you know, at the end of the day, you're either right or wrong about teams. And I've been 100% right about Oakland. This is a joke team. Can't protect the quarterback. The quarterback's not very good. No weapons. Um, defensively, you couldn't do anything last season with Khalil Mack. You trade him. This is an Oakland team that's just a really an absolute mess. But they did play last week pretty well against Baltimore. I was, you know, very, I was very impressed by them. And all of a sudden, now we have a situation where you come back home and you're getting more than two touchdowns against a defense that just gave up over 50. In the previous Kansas week, they, they won at Arizona, Oakland. Kansas City's defense giving up more than two touchdowns is an absolute joke. Um, Oakland's going to be able to move the ball in this game. They're going to be able to run the ball a little bit. Doug Martin looked good last week. and uh, Doug Martin looked good last week. And all of a sudden, we have uh, you know this Kansas City team who could potentially be a little flat after that game against the Rams. So I'm on Oakland plus the points. If you're on Kansas City in this game, stop betting NFL because, you know, it's just a terrible recipe. Sure, Kansas City could cover in this game, but long term, it's just not how you win. Oh, I guess I'll have to quit gambling because I, I laid minus 14, minus 03 on this game with Kansas City. 14's different. Well, well I, I don't get a lot of bad numbers, Scoop. Minus 14, minus 03, so I could sell it off to whatever, whatever I want to do in this game. Now, here's the way that I look at this game from a a perspective of handicapping, okay? You have Kansas City, which to me is the number one explosive offense in pro football. You're going into a team that is, you know, going after the first draft pick for all, you know, purposes. I mean, let's let's just call it what it is. Kansas City is going to go into this game with a, a quarterback that wants to get back on track. He wants to, you know, regain the confidence. He's coming off the Rams game where he made a couple of... You know, small mistakes in that game, but still put up gigantic numbers. And he's going to put, Holmes? yeah, Mahomes. And they're going to put up gigantic numbers in this game. This offense is not going to be stopped. And you know, for you know, previous years, fourteen and seventeen, and all these types of numbers, you could never even consider them. It's a passing league, and it's a get up and down the field. You can't grasp people off the line of scrimmage. You can't slow anybody down. And the passing game for the Kansas City Chiefs, along with Cream Hunt out of the backfield running the ball, is going to be too much. They basically can score as many points as they want to score in this game. I mean, Oakland has played two good games. They got their win against Arizona. They played Baltimore decent on the road because Lamar Jackson is a quarterback that is, you know, shouldn't even be underneath center. Well, up till the last couple of weeks, Mahomes been hands down the MVP. That's turned over to Drew Brees at this point. But Kansas City will not be stopped in this game. And another thing, Scoop, is you better start paying attention to Kansas City's defense. This isn't a bottom feeder anymore. They've gotten Justin Houston back on the field. Barry's going to probably come back. You know, they have a couple of other players that have been making plays on the field. A lot of their totals outside of the Rams games have been going under. And the defense is improving. Kansas City's offense is too much in this game. I expect this game to be 27-point win. Mahomes' most fantasy points in history through 11 games got 299.7. Uh, another tidbit, Reed, 1-4 uh, versus Gruden, including 0-1 in Gruden's previous thing with Oakland. First matchup between the two since Gruden's return. Uh, so we're looking, for that, looking, looking into that AFC West matchup. A lot of points being uh, laid there. Let's go ahead and move along, though. Uh, we have New York Jets. At, yeah, Tennessee Titans. Right now, the line is showing that the uh, Jets are getting eight and a half points here. 
Jets are one and four. We're on the road. Tennessee's three and one at home. Five and six overall for Tennessee. Three and eight overall for New York Jets. Both teams are coming off losses and uh, streaks of losses, to be exact. Five for the Jets, two for Tennessee. Offense only averaging uh, 11 and a half points during this losing streak for, for the Jets. That's not, that's not good. Mm -mm. Loss on Monday night uh, for your uh, playoff hopes for your Tennessee Titans went from 13, no, actually went from 40% if they would have won, mm -hmm. down to 13.7% after that loss. So mm. Tennessee's hopes aren't looking good. Um, yeah, like I said, eight and a half here for the you Jets. You said it's eight and a half point favorite for, for Tennessee? Out. Okay, yeah, well, you over. said that the Titans are favored by eight and a half in a professional football game, right? Correct. Okay, I'm having trouble with that because I watched them Monday night. And I, you know, again, I've been really tough on this team all year. And then I give them a couple of props going into the, the Colts game. After the New England win? Well, I, you, know, I, I, you know, I thought they were, you know, playing some, you know, they beat New England and some other games that I was, you know, they, they were in there. A lot of games have been by three. But as soon as I gave them credit, they went into the Colts and got torched. Mm -hmm. And they went into Houston, got off to a nice start, which pro football teams can, you know, revolve the, you know, game planning around. Wasn't Mariota like has a crazy completion percentage? Yeah, I mean, like exactly. First, you know, but halftime? but the fact is, is their defense was torched in this game. I mean, Houston went up and down in the field. Now, obviously, the Jets don't have that uh, anything remotely on on that side of the ball. But eight and a half points in this game is just too many. I mean, I expect Sam Darnold to be coming back into the game. The Jets have been playing absolutely atrocious up till the last week. They played New England at home. They lost that game by 14 points. They were sitting on the, the two-yard line. Uh, that ticks me off because a good friend of mine was in the last man standing and uh, needed uh, New England, uh, you know, or the Jets to score at the end, and they couldn't. It was, uh, you know, almost $100,000 uh, play for him, which was disgusting. But the Jets played good in this game versus New England, and I expect the Jets to be competitive in this game with a chance to win against the Titans. The Titans still were going back to no Delaney Walker. There's no consistency at any position outside of uh, Corey Davis down the field. They're bringing some guys out of the backfield. Sure, if you want to expose Mariota to being hit, they could be you know better on a run-pass option. But this is not a team that should be laying eight and a half points against anybody. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Um, you know, Tennessee's a team that's trending in the wrong direction. They made a gamble in the offseason to bring in the New England you know corner and Malcolm Butler and. This guy's been a huge disappointment. He got knocked out with a concussion. Yeah, so I don't know if he plays, but even when he's been on the field, he hasn't been very good. I don't have much analysis for you on this game. I agree with you. Um, you know, Tennessee's just, I don't think they're good enough to lay more than a touchdown. Uh, the Jets are a team that, you know, has shown that they they have some fight. You know, last year, you know, they went I think five or six wins, and, you know, you can make the argument they were in, you know, 12 of them. I mean, 12 of them came down to one possession. So, you know, this Jet team fights hard. Todd Bowles is a guy that has been a good motivator his whole career. And I Darnold should be back. Um, yeah, Darnold plays in this game. Could be, be a nice little get back. Either way, Darnold, McCown, not a huge difference. But, you know, Tennessee's a team that's, you know, like, like you touched on in your golf thing. Um, you know, they're just not in the right place mentally. So I think the Titans on a short week, I think this is a game that they're just going to need to win. Could be, could be a potential good teaser spot. Um, bring them down to one and a half. I, mean, no, I don't think so. Be really surprised if Tennessee lost this game, but, Me, at, the, but at the end of the day, um, you know, laying more than a touchdown is just too many for this Tennessee team. Cool, fellas. Let's move on to our next game. Tackle Minnesota Vikings at New England Patriots. Uh, move down to five now. Uh, Vikings are getting five. Wow. Uh, five and zero at home for New England. Two two and one on the road for Minnesota. Six and four and one overall for Minnesota. 8-3 overall for New England. Both teams coming off a win. 
Um, Cousins won the duel with Rodgers, as we saw last week. Is there still pressure on Kirk? Uh, I remember you had hit on that in our previous podcast, Scoop, that he might be having... Well, I forgot if you said that he didn't have a lot of pressure or he did have a lot of pressure. I don't know how that how that is right now with the whole NFC North battle. Um, and Gronk's coming... Gronk's coming back strong last last week, playing 69 of 70 snaps. Well, yeah, no, I was kicking myself a little bit, and, and I did adjust a little bit and played back on Chicago minus two and a half in that, in that Minnesota-Chicago game. But nonetheless, you know, Cousins, and I, I thought he was flying under the radar a little bit in the media as far as, you know, pressure on him. But, you know, he showed in that in that game that, you know, against the, a pretty good defense that's going to put him in, you know, some tight window throws that, you know, he, he's prone to make some bad decisions when the pressure's on in the second half. This is a guy that's came up short a lot of times in Washington. And, uh, you know, he got a little bit of a confidence boost last week against Green Bay, but I don't put too much stock in it. That Green Bay defense is, you know, like I said, the, the Packers are, are the Cincinnati Bengals plus Aaron Rodgers. That's the only difference. That defense is depleted, not very good to begin with. And I expect, I expect uh, you know, Green Bay to have issues on defense the rest of the season. But um, this New England-Minnesota game here, this is a game where – Minnesota has two of the most elite, special, world-class athletes on their team with Stephon Diggs and Dalvin Cook now back. And, man, I mean, Dalvin Cook in the open field. I've never – I haven't seen a – whatever that guy's doing. I mean, he was good in college, but he, his speed since he got into the NFL has gone to another gear. And when you got him fresh here, hasn't taken much of a beating here in the first 10 weeks of the NFL season, he is a huge piece here down the stretch run. And we saw in the Super Bowl last year against Philadelphia, this New England team is a little slow defensively. They got Nate Ebner, who their safety is a little questionable. But overall, with him or without him, this New England team really struggles with lateral quickness. They're, they're, they can't get to the sidelines. And I expect Minnesota to score some points in this game. To me, this total is way too low. I think when the public starts to get involved in this game this weekend, this total is going to go up over 50. I played over 48. Um, even over 48 and a half a little bit. I expect this game to be a shootout. I don't think New England's defense is good enough to lay more than three and a half in this spot. I expect this game to come down to the wire. Brady and, and, and the Patriots do what they do, and they find a way to win football games. But this New England team's been covering like crazy. Um, I think it covered six of the last eight weeks, and I expect that to change here in Minnesota. Um, shows a lot of fight. And comes up a little short because at the end of the day, with the pressure on the line in the fourth quarter in the last five minutes, Brady gets it done, Cousins doesn't. But I think this game's going to be somewhere along the line of New England 34, Minnesota 31. Well, I agree with you with the over. I'm on the over 48, uh, so there's no question that, that I've already played that. I've already played Minnesota plus seven. Um, when that originally opened, you did as well, too. I mean, that's a good number there. Don't even look for it out there, please, audience, because it won't be available. The line's crept back up to six. Um, I'm not sure exactly why, um, but there's no question, unless something drastically comes out in this game. that well, it's, Min- it's Xavier Rhodes, the corner. Well, for yeah, yeah, no, I agree with you. You know, I mean, he, he has a, a hamstring. They're calling it minor. I don't know if he's going to go or not. Um, again, there's going to be some injuries that I'll dig into later in the week. But unless something drastically changes in this game, no question Minnesota's going to be on my card. Because there are teams in the NFL that allow teams to backdoor cover. New England is absolutely 100% one of those. And let's, let's not put New England offensively into the elite level with the top teams at this point. I know they're at home, but I don't trust them. Gronk is back. He had a good game, OGA, as you mentioned, but he's still banged up. 
you know, Edelman is also showing, I've been looking at him and he's been showing, you know, a lot of those plays he jump up and he's all tough and, you know, you endure pain in this game. You have to like pain at this, this time of the season if you're going to be a productive player in the NFL. And Edelman has always been that. And I've been seeing him getting up a little bit more gingerly on some plays as well. And listen, I'm the biggest Tom Brady fan of all time. I think he's the best quarterback and best player ever to play the game. But breaking down some film, he is showing some age. And as everybody knows, father age is undefeated. And there's plays where he would hang in there, slide, make throws, duck down out of plays. I'm seeing him get the get in and out of plays a little bit more in those aspects. So, you know, the, the number's way too high. Let's move over to what you were talking about, Scoop, and you're spot on. You mentioned that, that they have world-class athletes in, in digs as well as they do in the in Cook. But you didn't even mention Thielen, who's leading the league in in the in yards this year. Rudolph, yeah, Rudolph is good. You know, he's he's getting more involved and feels more comfortable for being able to go out and 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 run patterns instead of trying to run block behind uh, Latavius Murray, who's an up the you know gut type of player. They didn't have Delvin Cook on the field, who I think is going to be more involved in the passing game more or less than the running game. They'll still use uh, Murray down near the goal line in short uh, yardage things and, and set up their offense that way. I could see Minnesota winning this game, to be quite honest with you, somewhat handily. And something that we haven't discussed a lot you know, with New England is Josh Gordon. Josh Gordon is the type of player that can take over any game. But when you remember Randy Moss was the same type of player when he came into this offense, he was doing it on a consistent basis. Gordon is not doing things on a consistent basis in this thing. You know, there's a lot of, you know, I, you know, on the sidelines, they're going over things. They're looking into, you know, patterns, how you run certain routes that he's struggling with in this offense. In the NFL, everything is timing. Is he just I, not a bring it every every. Well, Sunday I don't think it's necessarily is... that. I, you know, the familiarity. You know, this is a very complex offense to pick up. It's just about getting back in game shape for him. I don't think so. I I don't necessarily. No, it, it's one hundred percent. It's already been discussed. He's he, well, he admitted it. Well, that's fine. But you could put him in an offense that where people run around and play you know back backdoor football, and he's going to be better than he is in this offense where everybody has to be accountable for certain things on every play. I don't think this is the perfect offense for Josh Gordon. You know, Brady and him have not hooked up and been consistent. There certainly have been Michael Thomas and Drew Brees and all these other guys I can continue talking about. He's a good piece on a good team, but it's too many points in this game. I like Minnesota. You mentioned Randy Moss. Um, and in this stat, he's a leading receiver as far as touchdowns go before the age of 30. He has 101. Jerry Rice had uh, 95. But Gronk is tied with T.O., they both have 78, and they both... Healthy Gronk's the best player in football. Third he's unstoppable. No best one player. in the NFL can... But he's not healthy. You know what I mean? He's he's not going to I mean, give up... I mean, he ever? It's like, well, no, I don't think he ever will be. He does too much. He's too big. He's taken too many hits. He blocks it, it, probably the best tight end blocker in the league, so he's not at 100%. He can make plays and dominate a game. There's no question. But again, you're asking me a question on, you know, this is what yeah, we're no, supposed to... The, the, I'm glad you brought up the name Gronk because we saw a little flash last week where he scored a touchdown. This is a game where I think we get a heavy dose of Gronk. And I think that... I th- okay. Yeah, no, I think... And you touched on Thielen. You know, New England, a slot receiver heaven. I mean, I think I think Belichick... There's watched. a lot of weapons I on think, Minnesota. I think when Belichick... There's a watched, lot of weapons. Yes, when Bel- if, if Minnesota came out and, like... Like drop forty in this game, like I wouldn't be. Surprised. I could see them winning by ten, yeah. by ten. On the I was road. gonna say the same thing. Like if this was like a thirty-eight twenty-eight Minnesota game, my shock level would be like three. Same here. 
Cool. Let's move on to uh, our next game, fellas. San Francisco 49ers at Seattle Seahawks. Let's see what the line is now. It's showing <clears throat> San Francisco is getting nine and a half in this one. Went down a little bit. Uh, let's see here. Uh, San Francisco coming off two losses. Seattle's coming off two wins. 0-6 on the road for San Francisco. 2-2 two two on the uh, at home for Seattle. 6-5 overall for Seattle. 2-9 overall for San Francisco. Uh, Mullins had nine quarterback hits and a sack in his first half compared to just four completed passes in the 27-9 loss to the Bucks. And uh, as far as Seattle, I mean, they're trying to get things going here. Uh, Sherman's return to Seattle. Seattle's still in the hunt for a playoff spot. How are we feeling about this game, fellas? Lip? Well, <clears throat> you know, I have two people that see this game very differently. You know, I've talked to different people. My brother is, is in the... Billy likes Seattle in this game. It's too early in the week. I don't have a lot of feel on this game in regards to the point spread. Um, what I will be looking at is if this game does come down. There's 10s out there here on game. It's Tuesday afternoon. Um, I expect this game to come down. I think the experts are going to come in here and take 10 on this game, and I can't blame them for that. Um, but you're talking, you're always talking scoop about hope. You know what I mean? And what direction in, 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 you know, are you going to be going as hope? There is no game in pro football that implicated or that had uh, implications with the playoff seating more than last week's game with Seattle at Carolina. I told everybody it was my pick of the week, Carolina, and everyone's saying, oh, I had a bad pick, week. Pick of the week? You said play of the year. Second player of the year. Play of the year. Okay, but let me tell you something about that. Knowing me, Scoop, guess how much I had on that game? The same amount that I play on everything else. That's why I make a living in this business because I don't put all my eggs into one basket. I get the best information in the world, and that's why I consider to make money doing it, and everybody wants to know what I'm on. And you, you can chime in or you don't have to. It doesn't matter, but that's just how it is. Now, this game here with Carolina, with Seattle, Seattle went in there and took care of this game. Seattle, to me, is a team that hands down is going to make the playoffs. They're going to be in, and Carolina's going to be out. Now, I don't exactly have their schedule in front of me, Seattle, but they, they play San Francisco, I believe, twice in Arizona once, or it's Arizona twice and Seattle once, or, knows, or yeah. San Francisco once. It doesn't matter. That's 3-0 and in these types of games. Russell Wilson is absolutely ridiculously good in the NFL. I mean, if you put an average quarterback in this offense, let's say like a Baker Mayfield that's very average, and you put him into this team, well, they have two or three games you know, less with winnings, and he, he's not going to be able to stay healthy for two games, let alone run off six and five and be on momentum moving forward, being the, you know, the franchise quarterback that he is. San Francisco went into Tampa Bay. We talked about this game last week. It was all the way on the West Coast early in the morning, and they're coming back all the way on the West Coast to go on the road again up to Seattle with a team with hopes you know again it's a lot of points in this game i expect seattle to be emotionally into the game this is a late game you know we'll see what happens but it won't be on my card yeah now you touched on with russ wilson i i was talking to you earlier this week about it and it's just you know 2018 this flag football nfl you know i think you can make the argument that russ wilson is the best flag football type quarterback in the league and he's what i call an elevator um some of these quarterbacks they need the infrastructure to be perfect around them in order to succeed russ wilson is not one of those guys he has made these decisions that this seattle general manager has made in the last couple seasons that have been a disaster since his nice little run there when he got the legion of boom there in the secondary and just had that unbelievable free agency where he brings in michael bennett and uh uh, the other defensive end, all in the same offseason. It was just a dream little run there for Seattle. 
all with a rookie quarterback on his, you know, once he had to pay Russ, decisions become more important. And what's he do? He's got one pick in the top 75 in the NFL draft, and he takes Rashad Penny, a guy that can't even play, over a seventh rounder he took the previous season. Doesn't make much sense, but despite all of these terrible decisions, Russ Wilson is winning football games because that's what he is. He's a winner. And No question. I am kicking myself a little bit because when you look at a guy like Russ and you're giving him more than seven points in games, he's probably the best backdoor quarterback in the NFL. And against the Rams, there were two spots where he he was getting seven and a half, nine, ten points. And it was just a complete joke because he's able to manufacture points in situations where most quarterbacks can't. Now, where this game is interesting is because now it's the opposite. Now Seattle's laying 10 in a game where they've covered, if you grade them as 2.5 against Green Bay, they've covered 6 of the last 7 weeks. So now we have an inflated number playing against a team who came off a no-show performance last week in Florida, something that we both said was going to happen but then didn't really maximize it profit-wise. Well, we made money on it, yeah, but it, on a bad number. Anytime you can make money on a bad I, number, I, I you're did, doing something right. I did not right. make money on Tampa Bay last week against San Francisco, well, I did. And, and I'm upset. Now, this week San Francisco is in a bounce-back spot playing close to California, you know, not not a, too much of travel for them. Seattle, this is a look-ahead spot for them. They host Minnesota next week, so I expect Seattle coming off of another big win to potentially be a little flat and, and, and have Russ Wilson really have to bang this team, uh, bail this team out again in a game that's going to be a little bit more competitive. Now, who's going to play quarterback for the 49ers? You know, Mullins. Is, is, is the run game going to get going here a little bit? Um, you know, I, I expect San Francisco to be able to keep this game within 10. Now, what my plan of attack here is, is I did lock in 10 um, on San Francisco. And when this line goes down to I think it closes 8.5, I'm going to tease Seattle down to 2.5, and, and I'm going to pair it with one of these other games. And I'm Agree gonna, with Seattle on a teaser. So Agree gonna, 100%. So I, and I think this line does go to 8.5. Now, because the teaser market's becoming more and more popular, you know, these books may be smart enough to keep this thing at 9. And even if it goes to 9, there's an outside chance I'd even play Seattle on a teaser at 3 just to remove some of the risk with, with San Francisco, maybe a 50% middle hedge. But overall, this Seattle team is not built to blow teams out. They are built to be scrappy, find a way to make plays, and this is a game where I think we get a, a, a little bit of a flat spot from Seattle, and, and San Francisco gives them, you know, all they can handle on Sunday. All right, fellas, let's tackle the next game. Los Angeles Chargers at Pittsburgh Steelers. Line is uh, Pittsburgh Steelers laying three and a half right now. Um, let me make sure I'm seeing that right. Yeah, Pittsburgh's laying three and a half. Chargers getting three and a half, man. Four and one on the road for the Chargers. Three and two at home for the Steelers. Seven and three overall for the Steelers. Eight and three overall for the Chargers. Uh, Chargers coming off a win. Steelers coming off a loss. Chargers also coming off a loss for Melvin Gordon for probably a couple weeks at least to MCL and uh, Big Ben. Big pick late last uh, last game against the Broncos. Um, how are we feeling about this one, Scoop? Yeah. So as I touched on last week, the Chargers with just continue to have brutal luck and Denzel Perryman and Corey Lugent, their two best defensive run stoppers in the middle of the field, are out. And last week against Arizona, a team with probably the second-worst offensive line in the league, they weren't able to exploit it. Um, they jumped out on to a 10-0 lead, and they got behind. And, uh, you know, we saw this Charger team show a little bit of glimpse of what they can be when Rivers is really firing on all cylinders. Last week, 28 of 29. Um, I expect his uh, confidence to be sky-high coming into this game and a game where he knows that he's going to have to put up 30 to win. Now, the Steelers' defense has been playing a lot better here in the last five, six weeks, made some adjustments. And I think that when we, when you look at this game, 
the Charger offensive line that all of a sudden has you know quietly been one of the top groups in the league, especially in pass protection. You give Rivers time. I don't care what defense it is, but those weapons he has, he's going to move the ball a little bit. Now, how the Steelers attack this team, you know, we've seen the Steelers really struggle with game plan management in recent years. There's been there was a game last year against Jacksonville where they had a huge advantage on the running the ball on the ground before Marcel Darius came over to Jacksonville later in the season, and instead they let Big Ben throw the ball 50 times and he threw five interceptions in the chart. The Jaguars ran two back for a score. So the question is, is do the Steelers? handle this game the way they should because if they're smart what they'll do is they'll give James Conner 30 carries he'll average five to six yards a rush they'll keep Phil Rivers on the sidelines and this game will be you know limited possessions and they're going to maximize their points try to play good red zone defense something they've done here under Tomlin for a decade now and keep the Chargers in situations where they're scoring three and Pittsburgh just kind of controls the game now I don't feel very comfortable laying three and a half with the Steelers you know, you got backdoor liability with Rivers in the second half. To me, this is a similar situation where, you know, with, with, with what I thought here in the Raven game a little bit, but now more so with the Colt game where it's like, you know, I don't even want, you know, some weeks, you know, I don't mess with the point spreads as far as betting the games. I'll just play money lines, and, and that's the case here with Pittsburgh. If I have to get a little creative where I'm struggling for a fifth or fourth team, maybe Pittsburgh makes the card at three and a half. I could see this game being somewhere along the lines of 31-21. But this is a game where – from a prop perspective, um, you know, I've made a mistake a couple times and not really doing my research as far as, you know, back, I, I guess it was hard to predict the Gus uh, Edwards situation with Baltimore, but, you know, I thought they would have success in the, in the run game there, and that's how I think Pittsburgh will be here. But with Pittsburgh, there's nobody else besides James Conner. So if he does get to 25, 30 carries like I expect, um, you know, I think he, he easily goes over 100 here. And the Steelers offense, uh, you know, in a bounce back spot, you know, after putting up 530 yards of offense and scoring 17 points, I think they release a little frustration and get back in the winning column here. All right, I'm going to give a shout out to uh, a tweet. Shout out. Shout out to at TBM Golf. What's up, TBM Golf? Yeah, which is Ted Maruka. He's actually my golf partner, so I I do know this guy. And uh, he was an excellent coach. High school coach, and you know he's coached football his whole entire life. He's a diehard Steelers fan, and his tweet says, "Playoff teams don't beat themselves." Check. This loss was bad. Check. Hashtag period for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now I, you know, Teddy, I don't know if I agree with you or don't agree with you. I was on Denver, and I know that you're upset about the the loss there. But um, I'm looking at this game, and I'm a little bit confused from a different, a few different aspects and points of things. Now, I think if you're the Pittsburgh Steelers, okay, you need to make Antonio Brown your number one option. You got to keep him healthy, or I mean, happy and healthy in this game. So I agree with you, Scoop, that that Connor needs to be involved in here because of the injuries for the Los Angeles Chargers, with uh, Corey Legit out for the season and Perryman, who's out for the season, and we have, you know. We know what he's worth to this team. Now, the Chargers went in last week and beat up on a team that was no good in Arizona. Now, Melvin Gordon out of this game is going to be, you know, from a dynamic aspect for Pittsburgh trying to uh, game plan for this game is going to make it a lot easier. I think Eckler could come in, and he's a change of pace back that can do a lot of things. I don't necessarily think he's a featured back. But one thing that neither one of us have mentioned at all yet is Pittsburgh is a much different team at home than they are on the road. Ben makes less mistakes at home. They're more explosive. The defense starts to play better. I disagree with you, Scoop, 
that down the line this Pittsburgh defense is starting to show that they are, you know, they have they have you know problems in the secondary again. You know, they do have um, Joe Hayden that's been playing pretty good, but their defense is starting to show that it's not a a Super Bowl winning team. All that being said, I do favor Pittsburgh in this game. But I still cannot get a, you know away from the fact that this Pittsburgh team, with all of this talent, has given up an opportunity to win the Super Bowl by not signing Bell, and they're putting out an average back out there with a great offensive line, outstanding quarterback, and great wide receivers. And this is the Sunday night football game, by the way. Yeah, yeah, it's a Sunday night game here. You know, for all you guys that are looking for my pick on this, I do not think that I will have a play on this game. Um, it should be an interesting game to watch, but I don't really have any uh, opinion either way. Cool. Moving on from Sunday Night Football, let's tackle Monday Night Football. We got Washington Redskins at Philadelphia Eagles. Last time I checked, it was, uh, nope, moved a little bit. So the Redskins are getting six and a half. Saw that seven. Um, three and three on the road. Oh, no, three and three at home for Philly. Three and two on the road for Washington. Six and five overall for Washington, five and six overall for Philly. Very similar teams. Washington coming off two losses, Philly coming off a needed win. Uh, how are we feeling about this one, Luke? Yeah, um, this game here is Monday night, and guess what? It's Monday night, so guess what else? What else is going to happen? Everybody's going to want to have action on the game. That's just how it works. Yeah. I'm sometimes like that. Sometimes I'm not. If there's a play, I'll play it. If there's no play, I won't. This game, I do think I will be playing. It won't be on my card either. Either way. Probably looking at Philadelphia a little bit, I will be teasing the Eagles in this game. I think from an emotional standpoint, with the Eagles coming back in that game versus the Giants and the division that they're in, they still have a lot of hope. I'm worried about their defense, obviously. They've been practicing wide receivers during practice in the, the secondary for to run plays. That's how banged up they're on the secondary. But guess what? They have Washington coming in with that garbage offensive line only because of all the injuries that they have. I mean, that's just, you know, the NFL. You know, they have Chris Thompson that, you know, we're not sure if he's going to play. We mentioned in the last podcast that uh, that Alex Smith has snapped his leg in half. And you also have Crowder that can't stay healthy on the field. Washington does not have a lot of weapons, you know, to go on the road and compete. Mm-hmm. That being said, though, Washington's defense has been playing very well all season. They have multiple players on the defensive line from Alabama, that doesn't need to be discussed how good they are. Norman's been playing at a high level, and they're playing with some intensity. You know, I mean, I they're right in the mix with Dallas. They're right in the mix with the Eagles for which way this direction, you know, for the division can go. You know, if the Eagles can somehow get Golden Tate involved in, in, in a way for them to be a little bit more explosive because they do have weapons in Alshon Jeffrey. Zach Ertz is dominating the tight end position again this year. You know, Aguilar could come in. You know, I'm not sure if Darren Sproles is going to be back in this game, but if he comes back on the field, that's another guy that could fly around out there and make plays, and they need him. You know, they're starting, I think Adams is their starting running back. I mean, he's, you know, as good as a guy that can run down and make plays on special teams. So let's get another dynamic guy out there. And if Sproles is healthy, maybe he can play defense. I'm kidding about that. But, you know, I think the Eagles are the right side in here. Washington with Colt McCoy underneath center now, you know, a little more film on him. I think they can prepare for him a little bit. I favor the Eagles. Yeah, with Washington playing Thursday to Monday, um, you know, 11 days of rest going in this game, and this is, you know, a game that'll, you know, season on the line for both teams. Philly's coming in with probably better energy than any team in the NFL after that second-half comeback against the Giants to save the season. 
But at the end of the day, this is a passing 2018, and the Philadelphia secondary is an absolute disaster. Colt McCoy, you know, made a couple of mistakes last week. But as we've seen, you know, he had some success on Monday Night Football. You know, maybe he's a Monday Night boy. I don't know. He's got a little Monday Night vibes. But, you know, we've seen where he was a seven-point dog before on Monday Night in an NFC East game playing against Dallas, pulled off the upset. I like some things that he did last week. I think his confidence in having 11 days to prepare for this game, he'll feel a lot better than he did last time with only three days of preparation. Um, you know, well, where's he, the weapons school? Yeah, no, you know, the slot receiver Trey Quinn, he looked nice. He had a touchdown last week. He can get open, create some separation, kind of a Cole Beasley type of guy. Josh Dodson, six catches. Well, you've for mentioned 66. that Peterson's going to start wearing down this time of season, too. Yeah, no, that's the thing with Jernigan back and this Washington team not being able to run the ball against Philly. You know, they're going to have to throw the ball. This is a game where I think Philly jumps out to a big lead early. But from a game, you know, from, you know, we've mentioned, you mentioned earlier about the defensive backs for Philly. Why wouldn't you want a game plan throwing? Right. No, I they think, need Thompson I think, back. They I think, have to have Thompson back. I think Philly comes out and they just, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they're up 17 at halftime in this game. Um, and then all of a sudden, you know, Washington's playing catch up with that, uh, you know, Philly pass defense, throw the ball the entire second half. Maybe Josh Dotson. Has a monster game, 10 catches or so. Very possible against this Philly secondary. And, uh, you know, Washington cuts it to 10 to 13 late, somewhere in that range. But I expect Philly to come in with unbelievable energy, primetime game at home, playoff push, defending Super Bowl champions against a rival. Um, I expect it to be an electric atmosphere. Philadelphia, first half, um, I'll be trying to get on that the second the market opens because – I think this will eventually close Philly minus four for the first half. And like you said, this is Monday Night Football. Everyone's going to be on it. And the public gravitates towards the favorite. So I think this line eventually closes seven. And with that being said, you know, Philadelphia's pass defense laying a full touchdown. It's tough. But, you know, if they get out to that blistering start, you know, they, they hold on. Like I said, I'll be on Philly teasers. And uh, it, it'll, be, it'll be an interesting game because – you know, both teams could have some success. I expect this to be, you know, a high-scoring game. And I am on over 44 in this game. I expect it to close more around 46. And, uh, you know, it'll be an interesting game to cap off uh, NFL Week 13. Yeah, very interesting week. Uh, like you said, NFL Week 13. It's been a pleasure wrapping it up with you folks. Let's give the people our best bets real quick before we get up out of here. Well, everyone wants your best bet. Because I don't think you've won one or lost one yet. Yeah, I've been pretty good. I mean, pretty uh, good. You win every single week, and one one time you had two. You won both of those. Had to start a service out here or something, man. Yeah, no, no doubt. Shit. I yeah. got two. I got two. Sign plays. me up for that. I got two plays I like, man. Two. I got two. All right, I'm all ears. I'm all ears. I'm all ears. I like Tampa Bay and I like Arizona. Okay. So who's your best bet? My best bet would go. I go with uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers getting four against Carolina. Three and a half. Three and a half. Yeah, more than a field goal at home against Carolina. Yeah. At home, I like I like Tampa Bay. My best bet of the week this week is going to be the Minnesota Vikings. I think that they have a good chance of beating New England outright. I, I, th- I like that. I think they could, uh, you know, win the game by ten. I think that you know, you know, basically sticking it to the to Green Bay, you know, is uh, is going to give them a little bit of confidence going into this game. Even if they're down, I think they'll be able to come back with the weapons on offense. I like the Minnesota Vikings. As you guys know at this point, um, you read my mind. I'm not going to try to reinvent the wheel and go to a second option, but that that is the answer. It's the Minnesota Vikings. We're down at plus seven. And, uh, you know, if I'm feeling a little little frisky on game day, even even at a worse number, I might add a little bit onto this because, like you said, um, 
I think this Minnesota offense and, and how dynamic they are is a terrible matchup for this New England defense. And it could be a day where all of a sudden Monday morning, you know, the media starts talking about it. You know, is the dynasty over again? No, no, no. I, I think that, that talk, you know, kind of feels right. So um, Minnesota Vikings come in and uh, score some points. All right, fellas. Been a good conversation. Good week. Hopefully we could touch some numbers. As Scoop says, let's run pure. Uh, until next time, let's uh, let's have a good weekend, good Thursday night, good Monday night, and we'll see you guys next week. Yeah, good luck with your basketball game. I'm going to come out again this week, and hopefully you guys don't get buried by 40. <laughs> <laughs> we got to get off to a quick start. You know what I'm saying? Like That's, that's key. Uh, make sure everyone keeps their head in the game. We'll give you guys an update next week on that. Last game wasn't fun. Towards the end, it was just like, let's get out of here. All right, let's get out of here. <laughs> All right, peace, fellas.